Welcome to the Soren Sports Podcast. Join your hosts today, Brayden, and coming back and in returning to the fold is Alan. Today we're going to be talking about Roberto Clemente, his legacy, his impact, and just the overall, you know, story that and of his life and everything he meant to uh, Major League Baseball and, of course, the Puerto Ricans, you know, as a podcast that largely likes to focus on the international type aspects of our sports here in the States. Uh, Roberto Clemente is probably one of the more important figures into that realm. So let's get started. Alan, let's start off with how you doing. Well, I've been doing good. Uh, Obviously, there's something better than getting Wi-Fi here at home. Um, basically like, it's not like you're living in the suburb or in the city where, oh, it's easy to get it. I'm out in the country somewhat. So it's a little bit difficult, but luckily it got put in yesterday and now I can have access to continue having this podcast and also to catch up on, on homework assignments, anything that is going on in our daily lives. So it's, it's fun. And now I can be relaxed now that we're back on the fold and we're looking to continue on. Awesome, man. Let's get started with uh, everything. So I'll let you take the lead on this one. <laughs> All right. So um, as Brandon mentioned, uh, Roberto Clemente, he, he's one of the most important figures that you can think when it comes to baseball, especially baseball in Latin America. And really, um, it's very interesting to know that I learned about him in sixth grade. And, and I had a classmate of mine who his parents are Puerto Rican. And we were talking about Roberto Clemente, his impact, like, just like, it was close to that time where, um, in the sixties where there was still segregation. And then, Heck, they viewed him um, the, just like if he was African-American, which it was a little bit weird, but it was just the times. But he did not qu- – he had the same mindset as Jackie Robinson, not quitting, and he played the game because he wanted – he felt the love for it. And even um, his name is still out in out there and even the – the great thing about it is that it's still impacted because um, a lot of players um, that are a lot, most of Puerto Ricans have and have worn number 21. And the reason for that, and this is the conversation I had with my friend who played Division One baseball, he told me that I wore number 21 because of Roberto Clemente and the impact that he's had for Latin America baseball, especially Puerto Rico, allowed for players to really view baseball as as a gateway. And and if you can see the numbers, a lot of the majority of the ba- baseball players are now Hispanic. And that brings a lot of flavor into the game. It brings how baseball will be played for for the rest of the century and even until now, like baseball, it's now like more colorful, more with passion, more also more movement. So 
you can credit Roberto Clemente because of that, along with Jackie Robinson. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because, you know, I have uh, his baseball reference page pulled up here. He started playing in the majors. You know, he played all his career, so all 17 years, with the Pittsburgh Pirates. That's why they had the number 21 retired. But he started playing just, you know, eight short years after Jackie Robinson came into the league. He started in 1955. Mm -hmm. Jackie Robinson came in about 47, if I remember correctly. Yeah, 47, Uh uh-huh. So that's that's pretty cool, especially considering everything uh, we know Robinson would have would have to go through and did go through. So yeah, and and even how like like how baseball at the time, like how for instance, what Roberto had to struggle through, like coming in from Puerto Rico. He did not speak a lick of of English, not at all, just a bit to get by. But it took him a while. But obviously, uh, what helped was like the Pirates were, I wouldn't say one of the first teams, but they were a bit close as far as integrating, uh, ending the color barrier after the Dodgers. So their embrace for him was right away, uh, even. Like, his playing style was just unbelievable. Um, even – and a lot of his competitors were like, how did he do that? Like, how did he do a diving catch? And I was – I recently watched an interview uh, where Johnny Bench, the legendary catcher for the Big Red Machine of the Reds in the 70s, he talked about when he first met Clemente and how they were teammates in the – and winter baseball in Puerto Rico, in Puerto Rico, and and really like at times Roberto Clemente would be like, "Oh, my back is killing me!" Like, "Ah, my back is killing me!" And then all of a sudden he's out in the games, and it's like making these all spectacular catches, diving through, making all those throws, like hitting with power and with speed. You're just like. Uh, what back? It's not even killing him. He's just going out there and killing it. Like, that's why, like, like for him to be also in the 3,000 hit club, it just shows that he he excelled the expectations of everybody, and even um, even how he contributed to Puerto Rico, to the development of Puerto Rican baseball, it shows tremendous. Like. Tremendous powerhouse it shows because of that spirit that he left. A lot of the players now are like, let's move it forward. And his name will always be mentioned in the in as far as pioneers in the game of baseball. Yeah, and I think it's not only that too, but it's also, you know, when we look looking forward a bit, like you we were saying, you were just saying, you know, as we look forward. We can see his impact still on the game with all the Latin players that are in there, you know. But it's also, you know, and felt his impact is still felt in Puerto Rico today. You know, my girlfriend's roommate's from Puerto Rico, and I she asked her roommate about if she knew who Roberto Clemente was, and she gave a resounding yes. And, of course, you know, that that's awesome to know because, you know, 
He, his life was cut short due to a tragic accident as he was on a humanitarian run. But he, you know, was it still felt and still admired by many Puerto Ricans even today. So that's really exciting. Yeah, it is. And even obviously, like the tragic end, um, really, it showed that he died by still giving. And that was the big thing he gave. Like he, he taught us like, hey, it doesn't matter your circumstances. We can all be able to give back and either big or small. And that will eventually reap fruits for others who were seeking that. So what he did was truly nothing like nothing short but of awe. And so that was his last his last bang was like, you can still give. You can still give back no matter what and, and move forward. Yeah. I, you know, as we look at, I'm looking at his stats right now. You know, I got his baseball reference page pulled up. Baseball reference is a great page for anyone out there who just wants to pull up random players and learn more about them. Mm -hmm. uh, they give kind of where they're born, where they're little brief insight into who they are. Mm -hmm. It also talks about position, who they, where they played and all these things, you know. And so there was a couple years he led the league in hits in 1964 and 67. He led the league in hits with Mm -hmm. 211, 209 respectively. And then he also led the league in triples in 1969 with 12. So, you know, and he did have a couple 20-plus former seasons in there as well. So, you know, by no means was he a bad baseball player. He was, in fact, really good. And for most of his career, he was an all-star. And, of course, later on after his death, he was put into the Hall of Fame. So, yeah, absolutely. And and really, like I said, 21, it's like, and I've talked to a lot of Latino players, like mostly Mexican, but some Puerto, like some Puerto Ricans that I talked to, like that is the most popular number, like 21, just because the impact really, like no question. And, and really like, like what my friend talked about, it was like, I wore it because of him. And his dad taught about Roberto Clemente, and and yeah, like it was, it's just baseball runs deep there, and so that's why twenty one is is a popular number. Like you look at forty two with Jackie. Oh, imagine twenty one. It's for any Latino baseball player. That number, it's like you wear that number. It's like you're not just honoring a Hall of Famer. But also it's like you're honoring, you're wearing it because you want to go out there and get, give your, your all, 110% on the field, and, but also give your all off the field. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, regardless of where you're from, that's what an athlete likes to do. But especially when you're a pioneer like Roberto Clemente was, I mean, the pressure he had to feel – almost constantly 
was mm-hmm. probably, there's probably no other player that could relate to him other than Jackie Robinson himself. Yeah. With everything they would have had to go through. Because, I mean, not only was, you know, he Puerto Rican, but he was also black, you know. So he had a lot of those same things that Jackie Robinson had to go to times, you know, a bit more because of where he was from and his Latin background. So that could have impacted his, his life a whole lot more, you know. Yeah. So, so true. But yeah, Roberto Clemente, like he, like, I don't know what else to say about him, but really, like, I wish I could go back and just live that time. Like, obviously, everybody talks about the color barrier, but I think what Roberto did was unbelievable. Like, it should be men- it should con- be continued to be mentioned in in history and even um i won't be surprised in the future a movie is made about it just like that movie 42 was made and it really brought a lot of impact because of it and i know that with roberto like even having an award named after him like the roberto clemente man of the year I don't know if that's the name in baseball, but it's an award given to the baseball player who has contributed, not just on the field, but off it. Like, I'm very, how, how would I say this? I'm very happy that the MLB created an award after him because it just shows his contribution to the game was, was not in vain. It, it had a purpose. It had an opportunity to show that Anybody can play this game, no matter where you're from, no matter who you are. And you can still make a big impact wherever you are. So so I'm, I'm happy that they've included him, and he should be included every, sing, every time when it comes to impact in baseball and also pioneering in baseball. Oh, yeah, especially, you know, and – you know, I would go as far as to say is if they've retired universally in the league, the number 42, they should probably do the same with number 21 because of everything that Clemente had to do and has done for Major League Baseball. As yeah, well as, you know, his numbers are already retired in Pirates, the Pirates organization. I mean, 42 was also retired before uh, – in the Dodgers organization before mm-hmm. uh, Major League Baseball did it. So, and, you know, for at least for us on the podcast, you know, it's we, we really started talking about this off air most because of the other weekend they celebrated Roberto Clemente on a Roberto Clemente Day, much like mm-hmm. Jackie Robinson Day, where all players from Puerto Rico could, if they so desired, wear the number 21 uh, or players with – Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico ties could wear it, as well as just players in general, if they wanted to, you know, show their support or just, you know, show appreciation, they could have a special Mm -hmm. sleeve patch of the number 21. And it was really cool to see players from all over the league just wear that number, much like it was like 42 day. Yeah, absolutely. I did see that as well. And yeah, like the more we, the more, the, the better the more the better. And I think baseball has been doing a great job in honoring the past. And 
the more they do it, then I think people will catch on and say, hey, like, there's something to baseball and and look forward and look forward and to it, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, especially when you consider the fact that baseball's over 150 years old at this point. Yeah. I mean, no other sport in the state is that is that old. I mean, football just barely celebrated 100 years last year. Yeah. So, like, you know, and baseball's coming in on 200 years. <laughs> so the <laughs> fact that we're getting that close means baseball has a rich history. And so many players, you know, that had to go through stuff. I mean, we all we all know Jackie Robinson. He broke the color barrier. He pro- he broke it for sure, but Roberto Clemente probably smashed it to bits along with yeah, Jackie Robinson. Much, yeah. If it wasn't broken before, it was definitely broken after him. Yeah. Couldn't agree with that. Because, you know, yeah, you, it, one player can make a difference and make a start and change and all that, but it all depends on how um, that is felt by everybody. You know, Jackie Robinson, great player. He he made a difference. You know, he of course he start he broke the barrier. You know, and that's not to undermine anything he ever did, but it was probably cemented, if not his stay in the league as well as everything he's done when Roberto Clemente came in as well. Yeah. Pretty much like how you said it, Jackie broke it. Roberto just pretty much smashed it big time. Yeah. And pulling up Jackie's, uh, Baseball reference page because I, I I knew Jackie broke the barrier in '47. We all knew that, but mm-hmm. I was curious to see if he was still playing when Clemente was, you know, in debuted as a Pittsburgh Pirate, and he was actually. He, uh, oh, okay. He he was in his final two seasons with the Brooklyn Dodgers, um, ages 36 and 37 seasons, played 105, 117 games respectively. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, by no means had terrible seasons. I mean, he did really well, but, you know, he was getting older in the sport, so that kind of mm-hmm. was harder for that. But he did fairly well still. So, you know, and the fact that Roberto Clemente came on the scene right as Jackie Robinson was finishing his career, I think only just cements the fact that that barrier was broken and not coming back at all. Yeah, absolutely. (sighs) So, yeah, like, so should we move on and talk about how the season is wrapping up? Let's do it. But before we do that, let's just kind of – we mentioned uh, Roberto Clemente Day was the other day. Uh-huh. And I, a lot of these – there was um, 
a list of MLB players who wore number 21 the other day. Mm-hmm. We, and so there's quite a few major names that we can pull out of here. We have Nolan Arenado of the Rockies. He wore it. Uh, Elvis Andrus wore it. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony Abreu. Jesus Aguilar of the Rays wore it. Hank mm-hmm. Wire. I'm on it. Sorry, Siri thought I was talking to her. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. Google also does the same thing. So, you know, Josh Bell, Heath Bell. So, like, lots of players on his day wore number 21. And I think that's exciting because. You know, when Jackie Robinson Day first started, they uh, not every player started wearing 42 right away, which is sad mm-hmm. to think about because it's so commonplace now. But, like, so many already were like, let's wear his number, let's honor him too. And I think it's in part because of Jackie Robinson Day and how, what goes on with that, but also everything that happens with it as well. Yeah, and even the times are changing, you know, like even like a lot of stuff going on in this world, it makes you think of people like of people like Jackie Robertson, like fighting for like that way he can get an opportunity, but most importantly, so that way others can get an opportunity. So times do change. And at first people will say, oh, I don't know, that's a good idea. But as the time goes on, then the appreciation comes in and you realize, uh, okay, like I now we get why there's a day to honor Jackie Robinson, a day to honor Roberto Clemente and, and we're that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think the, the more as time goes on, you'll see a new generation of players and they're still going to wear – a patch or number 42 or a patch or number 21. So it's just that it's due to mostly times are changing, but also due to baseball's like outreach and educating the history and honoring the past. So, so yeah, like it, it's no wonder why now a lot of players will, will wear legendary patches or the numbers to honor those guys. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, you know, if baseball, we can all debate, and we have, you and I, many times about things baseball is doing wrong. You know, yeah. we, talk, we had an episode where we talked about the unwritten rules, you know, mm-hmm. and Fernando Tatis Jr.'s home run. But we've also had many impact, or we're not having a discussion of something baseball is doing right, which for many people is mind-boggling because not very many people could see the fact that there's some things baseball is doing right and the fact that baseball is honoring those that have played and had a have had a major impact on their sport Mm -hmm. is exciting yeah it truly is like if you look at other sports like probably the north american sports like football and basketball they do that like probably not as much as in football but like in basketball like the trophies, if you think about it, like 
The finals MVP is named after Bill Russell because he won 11 NBA championships. And then recently, the NBA All-Star Game was named the Kobe Bryant mm-hmm. NBA All-Star Game MVP because obviously he won a lot of MVPs in the All-Star Game. And then the circumstance when he passed away. So, like, now baseball making that step is showing that they're moving in the right direction and it makes others want to learn more. And, and, and even in the future, occasionally, hey, you know what? Why not? play like introduce your child to baseball and and who knows who knows what could happen but it just baseball taking that route is is showing that that what they're doing everything they can to show that baseball is a sport that that you can learn and and grow each and every day exactly i mean unlike a lot of sports baseball essentially is a game of failure right mm-hmm. so if to be good at baseball you have to be good at failing and understanding that with failure comes an opportunity to rebound and become better yeah and so roberto clemente clearly was one of the greats and i i mean i knew a little bit about him beforehand you know i knew mm-hmm. who he what kind of who he was what he did but i didn't know how good of a baseball player he was or everything he did. Um, I recently got a subscription to The Athletic. Yeah. Which has great, you know, all-around support and, with, like, coverage of all major sports around the world. Better than ESPN. And there's a good article that I'd recommend to people for – for it. Um, on it, they call it, the headline's called The Baseball 100, number 40, Roberto Clemente, and released in February. It was by Joe, uh, so, sorry if I butchered the last name, but it's Poznanski. So, you know, and he just goes on to talk about Clemente's life story. So it's a fascinating read. I'd recommend it. So, because it talks yeah. about much of what we're talking about today, just the impact Roberto had on baseball itself. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we can move on or we can stay on this topic. I'll uh, leave it up to you. Well, as much as I like to talk more about Roberto Clemente and we can go on with him, but now with the baseball season, Wrapping up, well, in two weeks, I think this one is going to be one that we, it will be another topic worth discussing. It's, yeah, I mean, you have, everyone knows what my thoughts are with uh, the postseason, what I want to watch, what matchups I kind of want to see. So I think, Alan, it might be beneficial if you kind of give a brief rundown of uh, what you kind of, looking forward to with the MLB postseason and I'll pull up the, the postseason schedule that got released. Well, I did see the schedule. I did see um, how they're going to do it. I I truly do believe that what the the model that the NBA did as far as the bubble is catching on. Like you're seeing that in like baseball where the second wants to react and I, I believe it's going to work. Like, there's no such thing 
again, there's no such thing as home field advantage. Like, it's all like you may think, oh, yeah, uh, they got this, they got that. But we've talked about it a lot. Baseball, it's you never know, like, what's going to happen. So, like, I'm just like, what is going on? Like, I won't be surprised if we have a Denver Nugget situation where we have a team that they come back from a 3-1 deficit, not once, but twice. And if they can do it, I won't be surprised if I see a major league team that does it two consecutive times coming back from a 3-1 deficit. So I mean, and it's a little more common in baseball to happen than basketball for sure, though. Oh, yeah. So you're right about that. But like you said, the bubble is going to be interesting. I mean, and we can all say that the NBA and MLB is following suit with what the NHL announced because the NHL was the first league to announce what they were even going to do with their season and both season and all that. Mm -hmm. So we could we can make that, you know, the. So, as we have stated, they are going – MLB is going to a bubble. Um, the wild card series, the higher seed will be the home city. So, for example, uh, if Los Angeles Dodgers is the first seed, uh, whoever the eighth seed is, I believe right now, as of today, it's still the, the Giants. Giants. So, it'd be the, – the best of three series would be in – LA. Okay. Vice versa with the AL. Tampa is the number one seed. The eighth seed is either going to be the Yankees or Toronto. But however, that series is still going to be in Tampa. Mm -hmm. Actually, no, that's the White Sox that is the first seed. So it's going to be in yeah, Chicago. I yeah, I was going to say it's the White Sox. But that still being true for the uh, Yankees in Toronto because. Uh, or and uh, Tampa because Tampa's the higher seed, third seed wild card series is going to be in uh, <clears throat> Tampa. Tampa. Yeah, it makes sense, and I think even adding more teams works. I think why not? Why not do this when every season you know you add you add teams, and then from there we'll see. Okay, like. If they're good and if they're good to make a run, so I suggest keep doing this. You know, add more teams and not go back to oh, we're just gonna have two two teams that made the wild card battle in the wild card game, and then they'll go into the 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 divisional series. Why not do it the way it's done right now and battle it out? I think that should be done every season. You know. Well, that's where you and I differ. <laughs> Uh, when it comes to future of postseason baseball, um, I'm okay with the three game series for the wild card, mostly because I hate the one one and out. Um, it's come to bite many teams that I've followed as the season's gone on in the butt. It's bit mm -hmm. the Rockies a few times. Um, it's bit Chicago most recently. So I'm okay with if we went to a three series, but unless we expand the league. If we allow half the league to get into the postseason every year, the postseason might not mean as much because teams might not be trying as hard to get 
improve their team, improve the product on their field. And so, yeah, you're making the postseason, but are you going to be good enough to actually do anything in it? Or are you just saying happy with the fact that you're getting postseason money? I see that. I can see your point in that. But also, like, even teams will want to make trades. Like, hey, we have a shot at making – we have a spot in the postseason. Let's make a trade that's going to help, you know. So, like, that's when teams will be more – I would say more aggressive in the trade deadline, obviously, depending on what they're looking for. So – but I see your point in that. Like, some will – some even some teams could just be like, Ah, we'll be fine. We're in the playoffs anyway. I can see them laid back. So it it can go either way. It really could. And, you know, if we ex- – I think it, an MLB expansion is coming, um, especially with the fact that ownership group was really worried about losing um, their revenue something baseball has always done. The minute they start mm-hmm. losing revenue, they expand to new, new cities. And all of a sudden, that revenue starts to come back up. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if within the next couple of years we see an MLB expansion, much like we've seen an NHL expansion. Well, we're seeing that, like, you know, Justin Timberlake, like, he's from Nashville. He's part of the ownership group that wants an expansion baseball team in, in Nashville. So... Like, I think you're right. We're going to see a lot of a lot of new investors and owners wanting, hey, an expansion, not just in Nashville, but we might see it like we may have Montreal come back or, or maybe, hey, why not Monterey or Mexico City, like Mexico City owning and having an MLB team. Like, you never know, but – we will expansion will is inevitable and will I would say it will come in in a few years. I wouldn't be too surprised, um, you know. And as we you know we get for, further into the playoffs and everything, it's going to be interesting to see if we're still talking expansion or how that's going to be impacted. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Rob Manfred has come out and said that he does want fans in the stands for the postseason. I mean, Kansas City Chiefs that recently, you know, we don't talk about American football too much on the pod, but they had their home opener for this year and they had fans in the stands. So clearly it can be done. Yep, it can be done. Um, Obviously, some NFL teams have said probably by the third home game, they're going to start having fans. So, so yeah, like, I think baseball can do it. But I would say just reduce the capacity to half or less than half and still have that support. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and unfortunately for – it's going to be interesting because – so the host cities for the NLDS is Arlington, Texas, which is where the Texas Rangers play with their new stadium. Yep. So, Alan, if you get a chance to get those tickets, you should go. <laughs> we'll try. We'll try. <laughs> if you can get in, you should go. Just because yeah. new stadium, postseason baseball, there's not much better. Except yeah. maybe put, 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 hockey postseason, but that's a different pod. 
we got Houston as the other city in Texas. Uh, the the LCS for NL will be in Arlington, and then in the AL we got LA and San Diego as your host cities. CS is going to be in San Diego, and then the World Series will be in Arlington, Texas. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting in California because you know what's going on out there with the wildfires, you know, and even um, I was partially watching the athletics against the Mariners game. It was like, can they even see or, like, are they okay out there? Like, because – We'll see what what's gonna happen. Hopefully, it doesn't last that long. But but I think the MLB should be on the lookout for Plan B. See if there's another spot because it could affect the players' performance and even the health of the players. Yeah, I mean, clearly they're banking on the fact that it's going to be late September, October timeframe that they're playing. So they're hoping, mm-hmm. they're banking on the hope that the fires will be out by then. But the way the fire those fires are raging, it's not looking that too good. Yeah. So it could could be very well likely that we end up seeing baseball saying, uh, we're actually gonna be playing at these stadiums instead. I mean, and I get, you know, why they chose San Diego and LA because of the warmth factors and all these things. Yeah. But and closeness to Texas, so you know, it's easier to ship players and not get them too uh, exposed when you're trying mm-hmm. to keep them in a bubble. But Arizona's also right there with Texas, you know. So we could see if them instead just move into Texas, Arizona. And, I mean, then you have the problem of if a game goes in deep into extra innings, the other game gets pushed back. I mean, we saw that happen with the NHL. But – you know, you, you got to do what you got to do when you got to go into a yeah. bubble setting. I mean, yeah, push comes to shove. Arizona also has all the NL spring training sites. So, like, if they absolutely needed to, they could use those as well. Yeah, either way. They got a lot of resources. <sighs> so, let's – I mean, we can look at a quick postseason seating. Let's see if anything's changed from the other day. I recorded. I don't think so, but let's go ahead and look. Yeah. Totally me. It's not looking like too much has changed. We'll do a quick rundown. We'll give our thoughts. Um, And we'll start with uh, the AL, and then. I'll do the AL, Allen, and you can do the NL if we want to go that route. Uh, yeah, why not? Let me let me pull it out. Let me see. Oh, come on. All righty. Okay, just give me a sec. I'm going to – you want to start or you want me to start? I'll start with the American League. Okay. So sitting at number one is the Chicago White Sox. Yep. Number two is Tampa. Three is Oakland. Four is Minnesota. Five is New York. Then we got the Houston. 
Crashtros at number six. Mm -hmm. And we have seven of Toronto and eight as Cleveland. You know, I think Chicago fans are really excited with not only are they the number one seed in the American League, but after being trash for so many years, they're yeah. finally, they're back in the playoffs as the number one seed. I mean, you just can't predict baseball at all. You can try, but it's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Unbelievable what I they're mean, doing. And they're, go ahead. No, and I was just going to say Tampa's back in it. So, you know, they're – I watched the, a bit of the Tampa Bay Nats game today. Uh, mm-hmm. Tampa needs to play better. If they want to do better in the postseason and actually make a decent run, they got to play like they want to be there. It seems to me today that they just, while they were playing okay, they're, they were already thinking about October, and you can't do that in a division where the Yankees and and the baby Jays are right there with you. Yeah. Yeah, that is so true. Like, you can't. When you're in a tough division, your goal is to keep playing and have momentum going into the postseason. So, I, the Jays have the time to make the adjustment, but if they keep it like this, you can kiss your your champion, your World Series, goal, your goal of winning a World Series, goodbye. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and that's not to discredit the Nats either. I mean, the Nats played decently well as well. I mean, uh-huh. they it was a bullpen day for Tampa, so maybe that had a factor into it because pitching is always a factor. But yeah. you got to play to win every day, especially in the postseason where every pitch matters. So, oh, yeah. you know, and <clears throat> it's interesting. I mean, I've off air, I was telling Alan I was watching the Oakland Rockies game. Oakland won today, three um, yeah. one. Actually, it's kind of funny because that's the exact score from yesterday's game, except it was a flip flop of who won the game. <laughs> yeah. So you know, so Oakland's still doing good. I don't think their postseason run is going to do too good without their third baseman Matt Chapman, who's out for the year on a hip in- yeah, injury. Yeah, I see that. So I don't see them doing super well. I mean, but at the same time, they could totally use that as a rebound point and say, hey, let's get going. Yeah. Absolutely. So we'll see what they'll do in the AL. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, because we've talked about Roberto Clemente so much this episode, it's kind of sad to see, and Alan will talk a bit more about it as we get into the National League, but it's just sad to see the Pittsburgh Pirates being the absolute bottom of major league baseball well yeah well they're in the rebuilding mode you know like for years um they have they've been good but not world not world series material you know so it was just time for a new change like new new management new new coach new players so so yeah like all the core that they had from from uh, Neil Walker to Andrew McCutcheon uh, to um, Marte, like all gone, you know. So that core, pretty much like they were good, but like I said, not World Series material. So it'll take time for this core to develop, and 
hopefully we, we get to see him back in the postseason and this time actual make noise. So 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 that's all I have to say about the Pirates. <laughs> I mean, there's not much to say. They start winning, we'll talk about them a bit more, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so hold on, Pirates fans. Just have your – if you guys start winning, we'll talk about you. But also, if you guys start choking up in the playoffs, well, guess what? We're still going to talk about you. So, <laughs> so we don't have much to say to you guys, but just win. You know what's a fun game to always tune into, Alan? Yeah. No matter what night it is, a Seattle Mariners game. Those okay. are fun games to tune into. They they got a fun young core. Uh, they got a fun. They got a decent pitching staff, and they're two games behind the Astros. Uh huh. So, you know, Seattle's got a. They're playing San Fran this weekend. They got a mm-hmm. doubleheader with San Fran today. So if they take one game, that and Houston, who's Houston playing today? Houston's playing Texas. So if Texas beats, if you know, if they take their at least a few games from San San Francisco, mm-hmm. they can inch closer to the Astros and possibly make it into the postseason as the number two seed of the Western Division. Yeah, they could. And so that's why it's exciting to watch Mariners game because they got a lot more on the line than, you know. I mean, Astros are the Astros. We don't want to see them in the postseason anyway. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, the Astros got a hard road ahead of them to even save 500. So, yeah. not Actually, no, they got an easy road. They just played Texas, Arizona, and Seattle. So they got it pretty easy. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So we'll see what they do. We will see. So, you know, the the Western Division's kind of up in the air still for that number two spot. Um, If you're Seattle, Texas, Arizona, you want to win your games against Houston just because of what they've done the past few years and with their cheating scandal. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I would say the same thing and also, like, for Seattle, you have a lot to play for. You do. You do have a lot to play for. You still got time to be back in the playoffs. So this is your shot right here. Right here, right now. Yeah. I mean, Detroit, you're still a few, a few years out probably. You might make – but Detroit Tigers games are also kind of fun to watch, Alan. Um, they're only about four and a half games back behind Cleveland. They're not making the postseason. Because they yeah. have to, cause Seattle would just have to completely like fall off the ship. Yep. But uh, they uh, they're doing really well, and if they can keep it up, especially after what happened last year, they're uh, going to be pretty good next year. Oh yeah, big time. They can absolutely. I mean, Baltimore they don't really have a shot anymore, but they kind of made some noise for a while, scaring the Yankees. Mm, yeah. But some noise, but not a lot. No. So, and it's kind of exciting. So, with how uh, the postseason is going to work, 
as we look, as we said, or as I was talking about in the last episode, you got your number one seed facing your eight seed. So in the AL, that's going to be Chicago facing, uh, what is it, Cleveland? Yeah, Cleveland. So Chicago facing Cleveland. Then you'd have um, the two seed of Tampa facing Toronto or the Yankees, depending on how that works out. Then it'd be mm-hmm. Oakland facing Houston and Minnesota facing New York. Yeah. New York. So it's kind of interesting. I mean, the Yankees, once they make the postseason, they become a different team entirely. But with the injuries they've had and the way the Yankees are just playing, they're not the Yankees that they should be or could be. Could I mean, be, yeah. you and I talked about it. Garrett Cole, he's having a hard time, it seems, adjusting to Yankee AL. Stadium and yeah. the AL East. I mean, he was in the AL West, which is a lot easier. And when you play half your game, all your games mostly in the AL West, it's not too hard to be a really good, great pitcher. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's still good, but he's not the Garrett Cole we've seen recently. So either something's different with the way he's trying to pitch, or it's just the fact that it's the AL East and there's like three competitive teams in the AL East. I do agree with that, yeah. Uh, I've recently seen some of his games. You know he's picking it up lately, but yeah, like we'll see what he'll be in the postseason, and hopefully he can give that he can give the Yankees the ace that they've been looking for. So, so yeah, if if he wants to also step it up, this is now the time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's not much to talk about with the American League that I had to talk about anyway. I mean, I talked. For good last episode, all about my thoughts with postseason and how that's going to turn out. Yeah. Um, I just want Seattle in there. I do not want to see Houston in there. Uh, <laughs> with my rocks being out, I'll probably actually be tuning in to either Oakland or Sh- the White Sox, south side of Chicago, <laughs> and follow them. Uh, Toronto might do really good, so I might tune into some Toronto games as well just to see yeah. if it, they're going to make some noise. I mean, it's postseason baseball. Mm-hmm. I'll watch it. Anyway, but, you know, some matchups for I want to see in the ALCS would be Chicago, twin at the Minnesota, uh, Tampa, mm-hmm. New York, Oakland, New York, you know, any Cleveland. I just don't want the Astros mm-hmm. to make it far. So anybody but the Astros, really. <laughs> However, if Seattle somehow makes it in, I'd want to see Seattle go far just because it'd be really fun. All right, yeah, why not? So let's uh, kind of move over to the <laughs> yeah, league. Yeah, it would be. Let's move over to the league that Jackie Robinson and uh, Roberto Clemente kind of like broke into and started the whole episode off on. Let's move over to the National League, Alan. All right, the National League. Uh, well, you obviously, you have my Dodgers as the number one seed. Afterwards, you got the Padres, who surprisingly, they want to catch up to get the number t- that number one spot, which you never thought about, but they're there. And then you have the Chicago Cubs, who are the third seed and are number one in the Central Division. 
Atlanta is next to them. Then you have the surprising Miami Marlins at number five. And following them is the Phillies, which they both won a battle for that second spot of the NL East. And then you have San, Fr San Francisco and obviously St. Louis right next to that. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, the NL is just basically like I just want I want a spot like pretty much like it's all juggling trying to get trying to get in. Yeah, and it's it's kind of interesting because it's either the in the AL as we look, most of the teams are from the East or the Central divisions, and the NL yeah it's all from the West. Or the East. So, you know, West Coast baseball is really good in the National League. Yeah, so far, yeah. And the Alan, West Coast and you know if San Diego beats L.A. and gets uh, the number one seed, I will not let you hear the end of it for days. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're still – hey, we're not – I know, but hey, like the thing is, you got to win the division, and like obviously, I mean the world, the the championship. So, I would say for the Dodgers, like this is a championship or bust. Yeah, they keep winning the division. They've been winning it now for um, eight years. <laughs> what, like six straight years now? They just if they they close it up, it'll be seven years in a row. And it has been, let's see. And four of them have come under the manage, under Dave Roberts. So for Dave Roberts, it's like he's gonna win, or else he might he they they might be looking somewhere else if Dave Roberts can't get it done. Do you think LA blows it all up if they don't win the World Series this year and just? You know, even after signing Mookie Betts to that ridiculous deal, it can happen. Yeah, you're in LA. Like, what was it? What was it again, Bert? I couldn't hear. Oh, sorry. I was just saying. You know, do you think if they don't win the World Series this year, that they're going to blow everything up, even after signing Mookie Betts to that ridiculous contract? Well, you mean Mookie Betts' ridiculous contract? Yeah, like they just they, so they signed him to a really decent contract. Good for Mookie Betts. Good for the Dodgers. But do you think if they don't win it this year, everything's going away, even Mookie Betts? Oh, yeah. Well, what I meant by that is just the man, the manager, like not everything. I would say the manager, and and then from there, like who knows? I'm not gonna say everything, but I would say if they don't win it, like it's time for a new managerial change. You know, like I love Dave Roberts. Dave Roberts is a good guy. 
and I, I know he's a good manager, like just because of he manages his talents and also he's very good with the young players, but you're in LA and yeah, like the Dodgers are always gonna be a Dodger town in LA, but it's like you better start winning. Like you've got we've had opportunities to win it. This year could be the perfect where where they they can do something very well. They fix their holes that they're looking for. So this is their time. The time is now. It'd be interesting. That's something to keep your eye on, you know, just how the Dodgers do. You know, I won't root for the Dodgers out of principle, but I will root for Clayton Kershaw to do better in the playoffs than he has. You know, greatest pitcher of our generation to have the troubles we'll he's been having in the playoffs. In the playoffs, it's just you know, it's it's just sad to see. So I want to see a Kershaw playoffs where he re- gets that redemption story, if you will. Yeah, and I can see it happening. I can see it happening. Honestly, I kind of want to, with the NL um, teams I want to watch, San Diego, Miami, and probably Phillies. Miami's just a funny team. I mean, you remember it better yeah. than I do when they won in 97. Yeah, those are all interesting teams. And 03, so, and both of those were just weird years. And the fact that they won it was even weirder. So this year has been weird. They've had weird things going on. So I wouldn't be too surprised if uh, they win it this year just because it's weird and Miami thrives on weirdness. I'm sorry, I didn't want you to hear the pizza thing, but I'm saying this is the year for the young teams. Like, pretty much, they don't have to worry about a crowd where if there was a crowd, they could get a little bit scared just because of the atmosphere, but no crowd, you just go out and, and play ball, do what you got to do, what you got to do, and, and in a comfortable setting. Mm, yeah, for sure. I mean, do you buy what Miami's putting out? Is this the Miami team we're going? We should be expecting to see from now on, or is this Miami team just a fluke? What do you think? I need to see more out of them. I'd agree, okay. but. You know, just right now, what what would you think? Right now, I would say they can, like, with the circumstances, that can ruin anybody's party. They can. Next year, they could easily be a 73-team, a 
72-win team. Not good enough to get the wild card, but close. But close, yep. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that all turns out, I think. Yeah, it will be. I mean, I think – I mean, we've all over the years given Jerry Dieter so much crap for everything that's been happening with Miami. You mm-hmm. know, and maybe deservedly so, maybe not, <laughs> depending on how we want to look at it. Yeah. But you can't deny it with everything that the group he's built – you know, it's actually turned out to be fairly good for that organization and that community, everything that's happened. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what Miami does. And, you know, as you mentioned, Alan, with Miami – Miami basketball team having a shot at reaching the finals and winning it. Wouldn't it just be fitting for them to throw two parades in the same year? (laughs) Yeah, I don't think it has never happened. Miami is an interesting city. I would say that where a lot of people like to vacation, and normally people would say, oh, it's a free agent destination, but I don't know why. Like, I think Miami is – can go either way, I would say. It can. I'd agree with that for sure. So, yeah, I mean, unless we got more we want to say about postseason baseball or, you know, just more we want to talk about with Clemente and his impact, I think we're, we're done for the day. What do you think? I think so too. We are done for the day and and really just keep it strong and and also being safe out there. Yeah, I mean, and if you guys are listening in from California, stay safe. Don't go outside. Um, it's not healthy. <laughs> yeah, and if you do, leave immediately. Yeah. Don't. Leave. Don't stay, you know, where you could be at risk. That's not good either. Yeah. So, but, you know, there, while there's tons of crap going on, you know, we're here for you guys with yeah. the podcast. We're, we're doing our best to get you stuff out. We've been having some rough goes with putting stuff out, what with, you know, Alan moving and having to get his Wi-Fi all set up and me just and us starting school recently. So it, it'll be a little rough, but we're, when we got chances to get stuff out, we'll uh, get stuff out, out to you. Alan, do you have an idea of what we'll be talking about next week? Hmm. That is a good question. Um, so uh, to be determined. <laughs> it will be determined, yes. It will be an... From there, we'll talk about it, and feel free to comment on our, on both Facebook and Instagram. Uh, comment about the episodes, comment about anything that we missed, and we'll gladly take care of that. And also, any any new suggestions, we're always here to make it better each and every day. And also, continue listening to us on Spotify or and also on on Apple. 
We're also on Google and pretty much anywhere else you can find your podcasts. Uh, those of you that do listen on Apple, and if you like what we're doing, go ahead and give us a, a rating and a review. It really will help us out as we continue to grow and imp- try to improve this podcast. Uh, tell us what you like, what we can do better, or just so give us some feedback. It'd be really important to us. So uh, that Facebook page and Instagram page, we've said it before, but it's Pineapple22Media. Uh, go ahead and give that a follow. We uh, post announcements went on there when we get topics out, and I, I'm sure as uh, post-seasons go on and wrap up, we'll put some more content out there just on uh, the winners and the matchups as well. So we'll uh, – Tune in next time, and we'll be talking about, well, whatever we end up talking about. So, (laughs) Alan, it's great seeing you. We'll see you next time. Until next time, Brayden. All right. Stay safe out there, guys. Uh, You too.